0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> bonjour, my friend, mon ami. I'm so grateful. To join with you right now. And today we are talking about guilt and growth without guilt. I love this topic that Spirit's given me. Yes. Yeah. So let's go for it. Taking a breath of gratitude, let's move into a heartfelt prayer. I place my hand on my heart wholeheartedly. Partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self, so grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves to forget the world for a moment and to remember our Christed nature. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to these teachings of Jesus. We're saying yes to letting go of attachments to the past. We're saying yes To growth that is exponential. We're saying yes to everything being aligned for our good. We're saying yes to shedding the habits of lack, attack, limitation, and separation. We are grateful that everything is for us and nothing is against us. We are grateful that our life is the life of God. We are living a loving life. In gratitude for all the blessings we've already been given and our ability to receive them, we share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Growth without guilt. That is our topic today. And so, as we know, and as has been discussed recently in this podcast, guiltlessness is our natural state. Guilt is a fabrication, and it is the whole essence of separation. Separation and guilt, they go together. So we can undo our attachment to feeling guilty, to feeling ashamed, to feeling bad, to feeling unlovable and wrong. We can undo that. Now, and we can do it at a very rapid pace. In fact, if you're interested, that's what my Masterful Living program is for. That's what it's for. So, and we start with a a bonus class on New Year's Eve called New Year Reboot. So come and join us. Registration is open. And... (laughs) It's exciting to see the ways that people change their life. It's really remarkable. So I'd like to lay a little bit of clear groundwork here that so much is possible. For instance, I was just speaking with someone just the other day, a couple days ago, who I said, okay, it's end of the year, Masterful Living. What are you really noticing now as you're looking back over the last Uh, nearly 12 months what what are the unexpected shifts and changes how did you feel in the beginning how are you feeling now and is very common she told me I I really didn't think it could work for me I didn't really think I could be a master living rock star someone who could really do all of that but my life has really shifted and one of the things is is uh I'm I'm off antidepressants. I, I never saw that as a possibility, and I've been on them for many, many, many years. So this is the kind of thing I love, people who think it won't work for them, because that's the beauty of these teachings. They will work for all of us, really. I mean, some people are called to a different path. There's, hey, there's no question about that. I I'm don't think it was a mistake at all that I found my way to A Course of Miracles the way I did. Um, my training as a Science of Mind minister, Science of Mind practitioner, completely prepared me for diving into the Course. It could have been the other way around. But this is how it is. And I truly recognize Jesus as my teacher. And my big issue, as you probably know if you've been listening for a while, my big issue was for sure that I felt that there was something wrong with me. I believed that I was probably evil at some level, a bad seed, and I was constantly sabotaging myself, getting in my own way. One of the primary forms of self-sabotage, I had so many, but one of the primary forms I had of self-sabotage was self-medication. So I would lapse into self-medication with things like Watching television, talking too much on the phone, drinking alcohol, eating, staying up late, doing all of these things. Staying up late, drinking, watching television, talking on the telephone, smoking, all these different things. Uh, Drinking and isolating and feeling bad about myself. Feeling like I was the worst possible spiritual student, like I was a total fake. And of course, I felt guilty. So, I that's what my pattern was. My pattern was to do the spiritual growth work and then feel uncomfortable at the higher vibration and I would immediately lapse into self-medication to lower my vibration. And the added negative benefit cuz sometimes we love the negative benefits, uh, the added negative benefit was I would feel Hung over in some way, shape, or form. I would feel more guilty. I would feel ashamed. I would feel like a loser. I would feel stupid. I would feel like I couldn't tell anyone or talk about it with anyone because I knew that this is not something I want to tell people about. <laughs> Spiritual students don't talk about this they don't which is why i talk about it and 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 come and am not hiding in the closet about it because there's enough shame already doing this spiritual work making this spiritual journey it takes real courage and strength and we all have an infinite supply of courage and strength if we know how to access it if we know how to access it the key, of course, is willingness. Willingness to live without guilt as a motivator. So that's what I feel Spirit is guiding us to look at today when we use guilt as a motivator. So, let me give an example. You've set aside some time to study A Course of Miracles, to meditate, to take a class, to pray with someone or pray by yourself, something like that. You've set aside that time. And the time comes and you realize I've got to do these dishes, man. This is ridiculous. This house is a mess. I'm gonna I'm I think it's more important that I clean the house because how can I feel good about myself meditating studying a course of miracles when the house is a mess I just can't I can't So then the spiritual practice goes on the back burner Our motivation there is guilt We feel guilty about having a dirty house a messy house Cleaning the house does not eliminate the guilt. It doesn't. Spiritual practice does. This is why spiritual practice saves time. But if the spiritual practice is just reading A Course of Miracles without the practical application, without really applying it and living it, it doesn't take us very far. And that's why it's easy for us to cave into doing the dishes instead of the spiritual practice. So it's the application, the consistent application, that shifts things. And then we realize, I'm going to do my Course of Miracles work first. I am going to do my spiritual practice first. Everybody knows if you say, I'm going to do these things first and then I'm going to do my spiritual practice, the spiritual practice gets put on hold for most people. It depends if you're retired If you have a lifestyle where you can say, okay, I'm going to answer all my emails so the office will leave me be, and then I'm going to take an hour break. I mean, that's a different thing. You can get into a routine like that. But very few people I know actually do something like that. So we all have our different things that can grab our attention through the mechanism of guilt. And... I can talk about this, but it's your practical application that's going to shift things for you so that guilt stops interrupting your experience of growth. What I've seen, what I've witnessed, is that it's very common. It's quite normal, normal meaning average, typical for people to be motivated by guilt. They're motivated by guilt to earn more money because they feel like they should provide more stuff for their loved ones. This is a big thing. And yet, what many people have seen during the time of quarantine and lockdown, during this time of COVID-19 virus is that what their loved ones would really like is to have more quality time with them, not more stuff, not more stuff at all. There is is a, a book called The Five Love Languages, which I have not read, but in Masterful Living, one of the things I invite everybody to do is to go to the Five Love Languages website and take the quiz there and see what their love languages are. And uh, the, what, what the, the, the people, I believe they're psychologists, who offer this teaching on the Five Love Languages uh, say the Five Love Languages are words of praise, acts of service, quality time together, physical touch, and gifts. So gifts, physical touch, words of praise, acts of service, and quality time together. And we all have different hierarchy of those acts of service. I mean, of those love languages. See, I'm thinking that acts of service is, for me, the greatest love. I love that. I love spending quality time together. I love physical touch. Gifts are nice, especially gifts that enable uh, me to live the way I like. I love that. Um, And the greatest gift is for me when someone uh, performs acts of service that help me to um, stay focused on my work and and acts of service to help me have more fun and uh, be able to pay my bills, those kinds of things. Uh, also, uh, I, I do really love the quality time. So, for instance, um, when I get to spend time with my family, I, I just think it's remarkable that we, we've learned to enjoy each other so much because it didn't used to be the case Uh, it used to be difficult, and things have really shifted. And I don't take all the credit, because that would be insane, except to say that, well, we're all one, and everybody in my life is a projection of my mind, Um, but we all share the same mind. So uh, I, I can say that my spiritual practice has influenced my entire family, and year after year after year after year, this is what people who are in Masterful Living tell me their whole family is reorienting and changing and shifting. And people that haven't spoken to each other in years are now having the holidays together or they're celebrating birthdays together, they're Uh, getting on Zoom together, people who um, have had difficult relationships have broken through those difficulties, because one person in the family is deeply committed to practicing these principles in a very effective way. So this is what can happen when we dedicate ourselves to truly living A Course in Miracles. It it is all the sense of mystery falls away. So this is the thing is when I was deeply entrenched in that self-medication, shame and guilt hamster wheel, I really felt so confused because it felt like God was such a mystery to me. Spiritual teachings, how can I break through to really feel connected with spirit. Well, Course Miracles makes it very clear. Give up the blocks to love. You don't have to seek for love because love is what you are. Instead, relinquish the blocks you've built up inside your own awareness to love's presence. So that's what an effective spiritual practice does, is it's daily eliminating the blocks to love then you're in the flow of love then you're walking the talk you are living the love and everything around you has to change when you change because we seek not to change the world but to change about our mind about the world and when we do that the world changes it really does change. So if we're trying to get our sense of goodness, our sense of love, our sense of worthiness, our sense of worthwhileness, that our life is worthwhile, that we are good people, if that if we're looking to get that from doing things in the world, then this is what is easily discernible to be giving in order to get something. So if we're cleaning the house to feel good about ourselves, if we're making sure the car is perfect in order to feel good about ourselves, if we're um, doing whatever we're doing, In order to get a sense of validation or recognition or even to eliminate the idea that we're bad, wrong, evil, not good enough, stupid, lazy, whatever it is. We're only reinforcing the belief that we're trying to eliminate. Right? It's like a bomb went off in my mind when I saw that. What? What? O-M-G. So when we really are willing to see that that's how we have designed our life, that we have designed our life, little tiny thing by little tiny thing, to reinforce the idea that we're not good enough, oftentimes projecting it on the people we love the most. So for instance, if you have some of the mental habits that I have had, have been working on for some time now, have been very successful at eliminating, still getting fine-tuned on some of them, then you've got some mental habits of guilt and shame and blame and regret and resentment and hurt and blah, blah, blah. Like me, I'll give you some samples because when we can recognize them in ourselves and go, oh, I do that, then we can see, oh, I could make a decision to stop doing that and put my attention on it and eliminate it. Just like we eliminate any other kind of behavior. Now, this is not behavior modification because it has to come from the level of the mind that we realize, like it talks about in the Manual for Teachers, Development of Trust. We realize this no longer serves me. This is no longer valuable to me. This is not helpful to me. So some people, without guilt, their house would be a mess. So they think. But what if we cl- clean our house? Like for me, I can be, um, what's the word? Hmm. Oh, cluttered. Yes. Because I just want to keep going. I don't want to go back and put things away. But I do put things away because I feel the neater environment supports the clarity in my mind, which is part of my spiritual practice. So I do it from love, not from guilt. So I keep a neat and clean and tidy house from love, not from guilt. Could I do it more effectively? No question about that. But I do not wish to use guilt as a motivator at all anymore. Shame as a motivator just reinforces the problem that is showing up as the clutter. I definitely have learned that. So this is why we do our work at the level of the mind and not at the level of form. And still, it's like my teacher, Venerable Dhani Oahu, says, Visualize, conceptualize, energize, and do what needs doing. And Jesus also talks about doing what needs doing. Beautifully, beautifully, that we are... To be active in this world, because we're active teachers of God, demonstrating love and compassion. If we are operating in our family with patterns of guilt and shame, thinking, "Oh, he just doesn't love me. Why? Why does he keep? I he knows I don't like that. Why does he keep doing that?" You know, she knows. That when she says that to me, it goes right through me. It bothers me. Why is she telling me that again? All these things that we think internally, they are the byproduct of our own self-loathing. Our own belief in guilt and shame. We're projecting it out onto other people and we can interrupt that pattern. We can so, we see in our home, oh, our children don't pick up their mess, so the tendency is to say, "How many times have I told you why aren't you doing this? What is wrong? What is the problem? Do you not love me? Do you not respect me? All these different things, all these ways of guilt and shame right and 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 so we try and motivate people around us. With guilt and shame and blame. We make them responsible for our feelings. We make them feel bad to try to motivate them to stop being bad because we are seeing them as bad, because we see ourselves as bad. It's all reinforcing. This is how we were raised, this is how we're raising our children and our grandchildren. We can eliminate that. We can eliminate that. It has to start at the level of the mind, the level of the heart, that our intention is to walk the talk and live the love. Uh, this is our intention. and We start each and every day, Jesus, show me how to walk the talk and live the love this day. Show me how to fully embody my true loving nature and eliminate. Everything that does not serve the light. I am willing, I am willing, I am willing. That's not complicated. That doesn't cost any money. It really doesn't take any time. You, you can actually, if you need to, you can you know, do it while you're walking from the bedroom to the bathroom or something in the morning, while you're brushing your teeth. It's about really understanding what's most important to you. I used to wake up in the morning going, Oh, God, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Oh, I didn't do that yesterday. Oh, I used to wake up like that. That's not my way anymore. Because I was willing to give up motivating myself with guilt and shame. When I set the intention to do that, I had no idea how to do it. And this is the gift of Spirit. Spirit will show us how. We learn to allow ourselves to be taught, to be shown, to be good practicers, not just students, but practicers, not just seekers, but finders, because we're practicing. And the practice is beautiful. It brings so many benefits. It brings a life of love and good relationships and feeling wonderful about our body, regardless of how it looks. Yes. Okay. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles. Living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> so, we're talking about living without guilt and especially eliminating guilt as a form of self sabotage. Uh, self sabotage has one really direct purpose. And that is to slow our spiritual growth down. And when we agree to guilt, when guilt is our motivator, we're agreeing to guilt. When guilt is our motivator, that's self-sabotage right there. And many people do not understand that guilt is completely optional We do not have to be motivated by guilt. We do not have to experience or feel guilt. And not feeling guilt does not mean that we're insensitive. Because I can honestly say, truly, that, and I haven't even thought about this before, but the less guilt I experience, the more sensitive I am. The more loving and caring and compassionate I am, because... The way we do anything is the way we do everything. So if I live my life with myself in my own mind, my own relationship with my own self, I'm using guilt and shame as a motivator. Then I am going to poison my relationships with guilt and shame. And... So then I'm not teaching only love. I'm teaching poison, guilt, and shame. That these things are real, that they're valuable, that we need to keep them going. And I'm investing in them, you see. Because whatever we choose to think and feel we're investing in, this is the teaching about the responsibility for sight. That we choose the feelings we would have. It seems insane, but we do choose to keep the patterns of guilt going again and again and again. And, of course, this is what Jesus is telling us in A Course in Miracles, to become highly aware of what we're choosing and why we're choosing it. So we are choosing to play small and to live a small life, because I think a lot of us, mentally, internally, we're mean and cruel. We are uh, keeping ourselves in cages built of guilt and shame and judgment, lots and lots of judgment. In fact, this is the thing I hear always at the end of the year with Masterful Living. I, I just heard it just the other day from someone who was sharing with me. You know, they said, Jennifer, I have to say, I have finally realized how judgmental I really am. And being able to shift out of that by fully realizing all the ways that I was so judgmental. Now I'm undoing all of that. My relationships are shifting. My body is healing. So much is happening. So, and, and it, this is the, the promise of A Course of Miracles, that if we're willing to do the work, the rewards will be ours. Because nothing is being withheld from us, you see. Nothing. Uh, uh, Jesus tells us in the Course, asking it is given because it's already been given. We've already been given the kingdom. The treasure is already ours. The greatest riches in the world have already been given to us. Everything that we could possibly desire has already been given to us. Because that consciousness of Christ has already been given to us. But we play so incredibly small by energizing lack, attack, limitation, and separation. And yesterday's Sundays with Spirit, uh, each Sunday, and by the way, the last two Sundays of this year, I'm going to be the speaker. That's just what Spirit led me to do. And um, I, I love this time of Christ uh, Christmas time, uh, it's, we can really tap into the Christ energy more easily. We really can. Why? Because more people on the planet are focused on the Christ than at any other time of the year, even more than at Easter. They're focused on Christ. And so we. Can, it's easier for us to access in our awareness, because we all share the same mind, so if we're all opening more to Christ, the Christ Light, the Christ Child, the Christ Being within us, then it's easier for all of us to access, regardless of what our religion is, or because obviously, yes, Christ has nothing to do with religion, and I'm not talking about Jesus here. I'm talking about the Christ, Christed nature of our own being. So at this time, it's such a joy and a treasure for me. I believe I'm the only uh, one in the Unity Network that does um, new shows at this time of year. Everybody else runs replays, but I, I feel so ignited at this time of year. It's wonderful to be able to share. So as this person was sharing with me the other day, the intensive forgiveness work that we do in Masterful Living is really eliminating the blocks to love. And the more we eliminate the blocks to love, the more we can see and know and feel clearly that Christed nature. And the more we can see and feel and know clearly when we are choosing self-sabotage and choosing to play small, we... (sighs) I used to play small, thinking that the problem was in the world, that I didn't have enough money or resources, I didn't have enough time, time is a resource, I didn't have enough this or that, I didn't have enough connections, I didn't have enough support, blah, 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 to do whatever I wanted to do. There was always this focus on lack and limitation. And that's what uh, in the meditation Sundays with Spirit, this past Sunday was December 13th. So if you want to go looking for it, I was sharing about looking at where are we energizing lack If we're energizing lack, we're going to see lack. So if you look at where you're seeing lack, you're feeling lack, you're sensing that there's a lack in your life. Could be anywhere, in a relationship. That there's a lack of respect, a lack of love, a lack of connection or communication, any kind of lack. If you feel a sense of lack in your body, lack of strength, lack of vitality, um, lack of harmony. If you are experiencing lack in your finances, if you're experiencing lack of opportunity in your career, wherever you're experiencing lack, it's so important to be willing to recognize that it's coming from within, that it is not a result of something that is happening in the world. It is a result of what you are projecting onto the world because of your beliefs. Now, many of our beliefs are hidden. They're hidden from our awareness. Why are they hidden from our awareness? Because we do not wish to accept responsibility for our experience, because we do not wish to know that we are the dreamer of the dream. Does this mean we're bad or wrong or stupid? No, no, of course it doesn't. Think about this. I've never thought this thought before. I'm just giving it to you right now as it's coming. <laughs> fresh, fresh insight. Uh, there is something in the world now called escape rooms. I've never been to one. Doesn't sound like that much fun to me. Uh, but I don't know anything about it, really. I don't. But um, so in an escape room, uh, there's the adventure of figuring out. You you get yourself locked in, right? In some kind of way. I'm imagining because never having done it and never really learning anything about it the whole excitement about the escape room is that it's difficult it's challenging right it really requires a tremendous effort to get out of it the more challenging and difficult it is i would imagine the more exciting and fun it is for people who like that hello Isn't that our experience in this world? We're escaping from this prison that we've built. So that to me is the thing I I actually really love about this experience is that it's not real. It is a projection and more and more through my practice of forgiveness And I'm talking about true forgiveness, which is really self-forgiveness. It's about practicing non-judgment. It's about really putting the pedal to the metal on giving up our attachments to our beliefs, which are false. And we don't even have to identify them, but we do have to be willing to give them up over and over and over again. There are so many of them. It's really tearing down this very sticky spider web that we have so, so, so carefully built, and it's tremendous what we can bring forth. It's tremendous. It's extraordinary. It's unbelievable. It's beautiful. And so this is the, the option that we're giving ourselves is to now be at the point where we've We've woven this spider web of guilt and shame and blame, of regret and resentment, of hurt and jealousy and anger and all this negativity. We've woven this very sticky, detailed web. And now it's escape room time. (laughs) And we can work together as a team. That's one of the other things that I hear a lot at the end of Masterful Living is, OMG, what a powerful community is in this program. This is the most effective kind of program I've ever seen. And so many people tell me for years, I, somebody I was talking with the other day was saying, for more than a decade, I've been studying the course and I never had anyone I could really talk in depth with about it. And now I have a whole community of friends who I can talk with about it and practice it and pray together. So that's one of the things that is so vital is to have mighty companions you can totally be authentic with. That is the cornerstone of my Masterful Living program. You can do this everywhere in your life. It doesn't have to be just my Masterful Living program. You can do this everywhere. But the cornerstone is we are practicing being loving we are practicing extending love we are practicing compassion and so when we come together whether it's two prayer partners because everybody in the program who would like them gets prayer partners which they love they always tell me it's one of the best parts of the program Uh, we have study buddies uh small groups sometimes two three people who study together and um, because they're they're actually doing the uh, worksheets and the inquiries that I've developed to help us go deep with this material of A Course in Miracles and uh, so in these relationships they're practicing non-judgment they're practicing being transparent so that's the other thing that is so healing is that In uh, our community, people can be fully transparent so they can really say how they really feel, what they really think, because we're not taking any of it personally and nobody is going to share an attack thought. I mean, occasionally stuff will come up where somebody gets triggered by somebody else and they might say something. They are going to come back later, take ownership of it and apologize. So we're, it's very rare, but it does happen sometimes because, hello, we've got a lot of people having a human experience together, but that's the thing is we are practicing and living, walking the talk, living a course of miracles, living the love, and Being able to be transparent with somebody who's not going to judge you, not going to attack you. There aren't a lot of places we can get practice like that. But then you get practice like that, you can then go be the teacher of God in your family, in your workplace, in your church, in your friendships. And this is how you change the world. You change your mind about what's safe. You change your mind about yourself. And then you can walk in the world in a totally different way. I used to be so afraid and insecure of anybody's judgment. Why? Because I was so judgmental myself. I felt so guilty and ashamed for my judgments. In fact, it wasn't until, I think now it was, I can't remember now, actually, if it was during the time my mother was so ill at the end of her life or her human life, obviously, um, her earthly life, or was it after she passed. But somewhere in that, that experience, I finally got that the reason I was so angry at my mother was because, and I talked about this recently, was because... She let me treat her poorly sometimes, and I felt so guilty about that. I felt so ashamed about that, and I didn't even recognize it. I just, all I recognized was I felt angry at her. Now I can see that there was a deep wounding in myself, and I... Yes, I did blame her for allowing me to treat her poorly. But of course, that's not what she taught me because my mother did not treat me poorly. But I was mad at her. I was mad at her because she wasn't what I wanted her to be when I wanted her to be it. And I could make up a list of stupid things, judging them like that. I could make up a list of just simple things, being more honest with myself uh, that triggered me into attacking her and feeling disappointed by her. But those things like um, my mother, I've had long hair much of my life, not all of my life, but certainly as a child, I had long hair and I have long hair now. Um, And I, I, I wanted her to help me do things like braid my hair, put my hair up or put it in a French twist or do something different with it because I, uh, my hair is so thick and it was just like, I need help with this. And she always said, Honey, I don't know how to do anything of that. I just don't. I don't. She had long hair when she was a kid and she just kept it braided and things like that. So... um And she had her grandmother there to help her with her hair, so she didn't quite learn it. So I was disappointed she was not helping me. And I was disappointed that she wasn't more glamorous and more whatever, just whatever. Of course, when I became able to relinquish all my judgments and attacks of her, I could see all the things she did give me. Instead of all the things she didn't give me. Yep. And that's what I call harvesting the wisdom. Now how did I get there? I got there through self-forgiveness. I did not have to forgive my mother anything. Nothing. There's nothing for me to forgive my mother for. She gave me her best every day of her life. And uh, it wasn't enough for me. I judged it. As lacking. Why did I judge it as lacking? Because I was looking at her with eyes of lack. So, this is what I was sharing in the meditation last Sunday. We have to take responsibility for seeing the lack in the world because it's our projection. 100%, it's our projection. We must take responsibility for it. There's no other way to have a healing, to have the transformation. Isn't it wonderful, actually, that there's a way out of this prison, this escape room, this room that we've built with our judgments, our opinions, our thoughts of a lack, attack, separation, limitation. There is a way out And it's ours, we're entitled to it, we're worthy of it, we do not have to earn it, it's already ours, now and forever. We can thank God for it, we can open ourselves to fully receive it and allow it. If we feel guilty and shamed, we will not feel worthy. You see the vicious cycle This is what we signed up for. This is what we wanted. We wanted it to be challenging. That's why we built it in a challenging way. Let's remember to laugh. If we can remember to laugh and say, Oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe how ashamed I got to feel. I just felt like I was worthless. Oh my God, oh my God. Oh, oh. Ah, I am so glad I remembered to laugh. How do we remember to laugh? We give up our attachment to our belief that we are unworthy. We give up our attachment to our belief that there's something wrong with us, that we are not good enough, that we are bad. We give up our attachment to the belief that which we're projecting into the world. It's like projecting it onto a mirror and we're going to see it everywhere we go. When we are looking at the people around us and we're thinking that they're not good enough, we're going to immediately begin to feel guilty and bad and wrong ourselves. Because whatever we're projecting out there, we're going to experience it. It's like sending an arrow out into the world that boomerangs back to us. That's how this world works. It's done unto us as we believe. If we believe that somebody else is unworthy of love, we will believe that about ourselves. And then we are going to be doing things to relieve that sense of guilt for calling the son of god a loser whether we're calling the son of god a loser who looks like somebody else or looks exactly like our own self whether we're projecting it out or in we're if we're trying to alleviate the guilt through doing something in the world, like getting all of our errands done, like baking the food for the neighbors, to compensate for what a bad person we feel, instead of giving the food from the heart, it's like my, uh, um, I I. This is kind of an interesting thing. I, uh, my teacher and I, we both really like pie. And, uh, but I don't like sweets that much, but I don't have a sweet tooth. So, um, but we like pumpkin pie. And uh, um, so I got her a pie at a local church bake sale because I thought, oh, church lady's going to make some good stuff. And so I got the pie. And later I asked her, so how'd you like that pie? She said, there wasn't very much light in it. And I thought, hmm. So they're baking the pie to be of service to the church, but they forgot to put the light and the love into it. Because maybe they're baking it out of a sense of guilt that they have to do it. Maybe it's a guilt, it's a resentment that they didn't wish to really make that pie. And I didn't think of that. I went from my... Ego mind, let's say, thinking church people, pie will be good. Now, I can honestly say I did have a hesitation thinking mm, when I was buying it, but I thought, well, let me support the church, even though I don't know what that church was or anything about it. So always learning, always learning. So when I'm, when I baker a pie, I pour my love into it because I'm making it out of love. There's no guilt. I don't feel an obligation to make it. I'm making it because it's a creative expression from my spirit. Hmm. I would like to mention to you New Year's Reboot, December 31st. It's free if you signed up for the self-sabotage challenge that starts on January 1st. Both of those are free if you sign up for Masterful Living. And you also get $500 off my Stop Playing Small Retreat, which is in the middle of January. What Spirit has given me is this whole lineup for January to do this tremendous deep work and to really make this coming year, the year that we deepen our spiritual practice like never before, the number 2021 is, uh, in numerology. It means change. This is a year of change. This is a year of transformation. We all know it. We feel it coming. And the greatest gift that we can give to the world right now is to do this inner work. And most of us left to our own devices. We say we'll do it, but we make other things more important. If you feel moved, come join me in Masterful Living. We're going to have a year like never before. Thank you for your gifts and ties that make this podcast possible. I so appreciate you, and I love to be in this relationship with you. Let's take a breath in our heart. We are grateful for the love that we are. We share the benefits of our loving life with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be and say amen, amen, amen. I love you.